What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Security Squawk Podcast. My name is Brian Horning. I'm here with my co-hosts, Randy Bryan, Reginald Andre, and Ryan O'Hara. What's up, gentlemen? How are you? What's going on? So how, how, how do you figure out which order you're going to introduce us in? You just kind of like I, randomly I look start, around. and Well, I start with the R and then, uh, <laughs> and then I just go from there. <laughs> Today it was Randy. Whichever sound comes out of your mouth first. So, yeah, we got a lot going on, guys. So uh, a little bit. Rackspace is in a little bit of trouble. So you know, this French hospital, that's gotten pretty wild. I've been following that a little bit. Um, bunch of school districts, again, in, in the United States. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. It seems like Thanksgiving was fairly successful for the cyber criminals because the slew of attacks that are kind of in the wake of thank- the Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S. is... Uh, it's pretty wild what's going on out there right now. So we're going to jump into it. We're going to talk about some things. We're probably not going to get into a lot of, uh, you know, how, how can you help yourself or protect yourself simply because there's just so much to cover. Um, we'll try to touch on things here and there, but, you know, we want to really paint the picture today that this is a problem and, and businesses are falling behind faster and faster the, the more that they don't do anything. Um and before I get into my rant a little bit about businesses not doing anything, Randy, what's the uh, fee for the show? So the fee for the show, we call it free 99. Um, there is not a fee, but it's not free. Um, it's like if somebody gives you a beer, they give you something that has value. Um, we're bringing great value to our customers and all that are to our listeners. Sorry. And all that we ask in return is that you like, share, subscribe whatever podcast format you're on whatever uh whatever we you know wherever you are whatever service you're using like share subscribe comment um let your friends know about it get help us get the word out we'd really appreciate that that's our fee if, yeah. if only we could give people a beer while we told them about this stuff i mean we, we probably oh, right. get a little bit more buy-in and uh yeah. people would be more comfortable implementing their their cybersecurity controls over a beer yeah that'll probably yeah. be a part of like twitter 5.0 there you go. Send, send an actual beer and somebody will deliver it. <laughs> yeah, just uh, and remember, rate us on the podcast channels. It helps more people find us. It helps uh, help somebody who's looking for information just it'll find us in the algorithm algorithms and when they search and stuff like that. So, guys, big stuff, big news out over the weekend. Uh, huge. I mean, the kind of rack space is like one of the big daddies back in the day. I mean, they still are. Judging by uh, what we're seeing on social media, it's still being used by a lot of people. hundred percent. Yeah. A I mean, lot that's, of posts by stressed out IT guys over the weekend. I mean, rack space was like the cloud before AWS and Azure existed. I mean, that was rack space did a lot of web hosting back in the day, a lot of email hosting back in the day, and they still do. They have a lot of customers. So uh, who they wants did, to? They did until this weekend. Who wants to? Uh, who wants to fill in our audience with? Uh, take us through what happened over at Rackspace. I mean, I know a little bit. Um, we've been, you know, we talked about it quite a bit in the green room. I mean, bottom bottom line, um, early, early, early around midnight, uh, early, early Friday morning, um, there was an outage, um, and we've kind of seen details <laughs> trickle in um, since then. Um, but basically, um, they had some sort of attack. They have come out and they've said that they proactively took their, um, hosted exchange services offline. So they offer three basic emails, which is like a webmail, and then they have a hosted exchange and then they have 365 offerings. Um, this is on top of, you know, like the hosted servers and websites and things like that. The hosted exchange was hit. Um, they've come out and said that it was an attack. We have found out, I think um, they came out today and said it was a ransomware attack. Um, there are security, basically security researchers who have shown that some of their servers were unpatched. Um, so there is some speculation um, that it's one of the more recent, um, one of the more recent vulnerabilities that's out there. Y'all know 
the source code for exchange was basically, uh, we don't know how much, but put into the wild, you know, about a year ago. And we're just going to see these things forever, I think, you know. Um, so that's the kind of the gist of it. Yeah. And what this all means to everyone listening is that we have a lot of businesses that are literally down right now, still four or five days later. Yep. And they cannot access their emails, their teams, anything. And, and Rackspace themselves is, is saying the solution is to move to 365. So they're they're actively moving their hosted exchange customers uh, over to Microsoft, Microsoft 365. So to Brian's point, you know, they were the cloud before Microsoft was even even right. part of that ecosystem. And, you know, now they're, you know, th this is kind of the, the nail in the coffin for that particular service, it looks like, because they're going to be moving all those folks over. The problem is you have a lot of people that are using the webmail and hosted exchange because they mix together. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one side of the fence. And then the other side of the fence is 365. So you're either here or all over at 365. And you have a, apparently there's a lot of, co of customers that are using the webmail and hosted exchange. Um, and so that makes it a little more difficult to move everybody over. There's not a clear path. Well, and just from scale, I mean, that, there's a lot of people affected. So, yeah, it's it's, yes. it's going to be a slow burn to do that. And and, yep. and that, that's why I was saying, you know, we, we've been seeing a lot of uh, you know posts in our circles, you know, with with uh, some IT staff that have been having really fun weekends because they, they've been scrambling to kind of do that same thing uh, for their customers as opposed to waiting for Rackspace to be able to get around to doing it uh, on their end. Right. Yeah. So it's a big mess. They, they've also locked down. So the webmail. They've locked down. Um, you're not you're not able to go in and create new webmail. Mm -hmm. So if you have hosted exchange emails, um, what you would could could do in a normal situation because webmail is not down is to create a forward over in the webmail, and then you could just have 365 for the ones that just have hosted exchange. Sorry to get into the weeds, but bottom line, they've got that locked down. Their their chats locked down, so it's not working. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's this has got to be hell for the people that are working in Rackspace right now to try to work through this, through this uh, attack. Yep. That, that's why we're we're hurting for cybersecurity people because it's such a stressful job when this when this kind of stuff comes down and happens. You know that's that's not going to be fun for anybody working over there right now. Right. So we have, um, yeah. I mean, and maybe splitting hairs here a little bit, but. Some of the things are kind of crazy right now, which I don't I don't know if we uh, touched on the details, but um, the the recommendation by Rackspace to migrate to 365 is just migrate your domain so you can get email services. Right. Um, there's still a question about whether or not these mailboxes that stored the email mm -hmm. are recoverable. Yep. Are they part of the ransomware? Yep. Or, you know, yeah, or, or if they were compromised and 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 data was mm -hmm. taken from them, right? I mean, that's that's obviously one concern. But I, I mean, just you know, I, I, I got to imagine that those people, and this is the lesson learned here, and this is why why I bring it up. But I got to imagine there's a lot of people out there, uh, like you mentioned, Rye, who use this service, who are going to be surprised to find out that their email that they thought was probably backed yeah. up by this company may potentially be gone because yep. we don't know the breadth and depth of, you know, how bad this is. Yes. Yep. Ransomware was deployed, mm -hmm. but did they get to their backups before they deploy the ransomware? Right. So who knows what's going on here? Um, so that's, that's the big question. And, and that's, um, that's why everybody should have their own backups for this type of stuff. I mean, th mm -hmm. I think this is another one of those ones where it's it's one, uh, people have that false sense of security. I'm paying this company for a service right. um, and it's in the cloud, so I'm good. Um, and two, you know, hey, they've got their own backups, so I don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. And, and both right. of these things are, are going to, you know, smack them in the face this weekend. Yeah. So, um, Andre, last night, that post that you did about this. I think you posted about 5:30 central time. Mm -hmm. Excellent. You went through so many uh, aspects of this of this hack and what people can do and all of that. So yeah, that's what I was wanting to say. You could tell I want to say something. That's what I wanted to say, man. 
Uh, y'all go look at his post from last night around 5.30 Central Time. Um, great post. Uh, really great for uh, business owners. Really good in-depth uh, coverage of this. Yeah, I also want to add that. What about mine? I didn't see it, man. Facebook didn't, <laughs> didn't feel that I was worthy of bringing it up on my feed. Oh I my may God. have boosted my Sorry. post. Oh my, oh, my God. <laughs> I also want to mention, you know, this is why it's so important. You know, even with Google or Apple, this uh, excuse me, Google or, um, or Microsoft, this can happen with them as well. So don't think, oh, it's a rack space. It's a third-party, you know, company that's reselling services or anything like that. This can happen with Microsoft as well, and and you should be backing up your Microsoft emails as well. Yeah, to 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 a service other than Microsoft. Yes, yes. And it really goes back. Um, we mention that all the time. Brian probably uh, champions that the most. But segmentation, everything should should be segmented, and it goes back to zero trust. And one of the one of the basic principles of zero trust is assuming that the bad people are already in. So if the bad people are already in. I wouldn't want to have my backups inside of Microsoft. I want them in a separate service. So if they do get in, you know, when they get in or whatever, I can restore them from a uh, separate service. So you lay off the monster a little bit, y'all. Yeah. So and then we kind of touched on the fact that, you know, when we talk about this all the time on the show is simply patch your systems. Right. Because. You know, when this first happened, there were people with Shodan screenshots showing that they were running. You know, Shodan scans servers and mm -hmm. IP addresses fairly frequently. So my guess is, is that they didn't, they didn't patch. Um, <clears throat> you know, what they're showing is, is that the the release, the patch that was released or the hotfix that was released back in August of last year had not been applied to the to the to the servers yet and that's where they're thinking that this could have originated from which is crazy um you know because i think in the long with the same thought process that you have that this company's big they're gonna have my stuff back up they're also doing the right thing and they're patching like you know i'm outsourcing my my it my email you know service to you and and i guess the expectation is without it being said that your your expectation is is that you're being taken care of properly um <clears throat> i just think there's going to be so many things that come out of this it's going to be mind-boggling yeah that's what i'm interested to, to hear is I, I imagine that's a question that they're going to have to answer publicly at some point is mm -hmm. why why were these systems running that older version and not patched and you know, in a lot of cases, when we see things like that, where there's there's a, a, a an infrastructure where you know people can be running it on their own on premises versus you know a cloud hosted similar infrastructure, when when a breach like this or a vulnerability like this happens, it's usually the on premises ones where the, the the folks who are managing those themselves aren't patching these things, and the cloud providers are usually pretty up on this. So this is uh, this is an interesting one, and I, I'm very curious as to. You know, was there a reason why they were behind? Were they not deploying that patch for a specific mm -hmm. reason? Uh, or was this just oversight and it just didn't get done for some reason? So that's going to be know, really interesting to see. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that they've brought in a third party. Um, yep. like a, mm -hmm. I think it was Mandian or CrowdStrike. I can't remember which. I didn't see who the third party was, but I did see uh -huh. that they brought in a third party and was working with their team. So, so we, we know if they brought in a third party, most likely right now they're trying to to uh, not just triage, but also figure out exactly how it happened. Yep. And, you know, that's going to put everything on hold um, until they figure it out because they're going to want to figure it out. They're going to need to see how far this rabbit hole goes. Um, who was affected? Do they get into the mailboxes? Like imagine um, Andre mentioned this in his, his uh, post last night. Like imagine that they had access to all of these emails as well in mm -hmm. the contents and, you know, the amount of phishing they could do in the next, uh, you know, next few days while nothing's up. Wow. Crazy. Have we seen any reports as like how many mailboxes they, they had on that platform? Oh God. No. Um, I've read that it's like 30 million of their business yeah. and they're around a billion dollar uh, mm -hmm. company. Um, I didn't, I don't remember the exact number. I'm not sure if I read it. So if they, if they so, did have access to that, that's a, that's a treasure trove of information. Yeah. Holy moly. Um, yep. Yikes. Yeah. Hopefully it's encrypted. Uh, so we have uh, 
moving right along, I mean, we'll update everybody as, as we learn more with Rackspace. This is just the beginning, and we're going to learn a lot more in the coming weeks and, and months uh, as, you know, this unfolds. Lawyers get involved, and uh, class action lawsuits start to pile up. It's all coming. Yep. So interesting uh, ransomware attack happening over in France. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this one, but it's just interesting to me. Um, another hospital in, in the world, uh, this time in France, uh, has been hit with ransomware. Um, they've been provided a ransomware amount. They're refusing to pay. Um, and it's causing this hospital has to reroute patients to other healthcare facilities. Um, and, you know, we're talking about neonatal and intensive care units that are, you know, moving, potentially putting people's uh, lives in danger because, you know, if you're, if you're on a respirator, or you're, you're, you're on some kind of machine that's keeping you alive and you have to move, that's always a risk. Um, and this is what healthcare organizations around the world, including in the United States, have to deal with on a daily uh, basis is worrying about, you know, are, are their operations going to be jeopardized by some cyber criminal halfway around the world? So, uh, guys, it, interesting. Again, like Randy, I know you're drinking the monster and I'm sure me saying things like patients have to be rerouted because of ransomware is is really going to make you mad but <laughs> i mean this is this is like to me this again we've seen this before with other hospitals especially here in the u.s but this is unbelievable to me that these cyber criminals continue to go after these types of organizations and and do this types of damage and it just goes to show you they don't care and that's what i try to stress to businesses all the time is like they don't care who you are you're just you're just a house to them. They are interested in what's inside of the house and they'll figure that out once they get in there. Yeah. You know, when they attacked this hospital, they were just probably, you know, either phishing people or they, they found an IP address that, you know, had a vulnerability that they wanted to try to exploit. But at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a tiny little small business or this big hospital before they got in, you're, you look the same to them. And that's what I think people like, you know, I don't want people to look at these situations and go, well, I'm not, I'm not a big hospital. Nobody's going to want to come after me. It doesn't matter. Like they don't care. Like they're ruthless. They don't care. Like, you know, you would think they would lay off the hospital because they could potentially be, you know, putting people's lives in danger and they don't, you know, they just don't care. They, they, this is all about making money. Um, and there's always that, that, FOMO mentality with these cyber criminals. Like, when's this going to end? Um, so they're going to take advantage where they can, when they can, while they can. So anything else you guys want to add to that? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. They mentioned that uh, the co-chairman says he's flat out, they're not going to pay it. Right. Um, that's pretty bold. You, you, you must have a good backup. Well, they do. I wanted to ask that because that's the thing that stood out to me. And I feel like... Um, more and more of the stories we've talked about over the last couple of months, that's kind of been more of a trend of, of these companies refusing to pay. Um, why, why is that? Is, is that something that, that you guys think is going to help in the long term if more companies uh, kind of stand behind that philosophy and start cutting off that, that money source? Or is this just going to change the tactics more? Yeah, it's, it'll be the cat and mouse. It'll, it'll, it'll shift the cat and mouse game just a bit mm -hmm. because if we don't pay, then they're going to do something else. Um, at the end of the day, they are driven to make money and they're going to continue to try to find ways to make money. I mean, what this probably the scariest part of all this when we talk about it is hearing the guy say that he's not going to pay. Yeah. Because we look at like MedBank down in Australia, how how very personal information is getting leaked about people and how valuable that is for hackers. They can use that to build trust and to get into things and get money out of people. Well, and, and blackmailing individuals instead of the company that they got the money from. Um, yes. The, the other thing too, I mean, does, does that, it seems to correspond with the rise in, in business email compromise that we've been seeing. And so that's, that's something where, you know, it's, you're not given the option to pay. They're grabbing the money right out of the, the air as it's going in between. So. 
Yep. Yeah, I think uh, I think you know, like Randy said, the cat and mouse game that I think that I see that maybe some of some of the businesses out there and some of the people out there that look at this stuff don't see is you have a business like this who, for all intents and purposes, seems to be well prepared and can take the stance of we're not paying the ransom. And good luck to them. Maybe they don't need to. Um, but the cyber criminals right now know that there's enough businesses out there that aren't prepared. So they're willing to take the chance, right? <clears throat> and at the end of the day, um, you can decide not to pay the ransom. Like Randy said, you could end up like MedBank where, where all that information ends up on the web. So um, I think all businesses would, businesses would love to not pay the ransom. Um, and I think that a lot of business owners, when they do get hit, that's kind of the defensive posture that they're going to take because, you know, they're, you know, the ego that's involved there. Um, and, you know, I think that they're just, you know, they're just going to have to look at it like every other situation. You know, when we talk about these things, like at what point does it make sense to pay these guys some money? Um, if you can get away with not paying at all, you know, they that's the recommendation. That's a recommendation from the US FBI. That's the recommendation from CISA. But sometimes you're just put in situations where that's no longer an option. You're going to have to do something. Um, you know, and are we at the point, I guess, Rye, are you asking, are we at the point where businesses are just going to say, I don't, we don't care if the information gets released, we're not paying? Like, yeah, that's what that's I, that's no what I'm longer the, That's no well, longer. Uh, so right. some of the other ones, some of the other stories that we've seen, like people are choosing not to pay um, even in opposition to what their insurance company is recommending. So you know, we've seen a couple mm -hmm. stories where the insurance company has been going back after the company uh, because they chose not to pay. And then, you know, it got more costly. You know, down the road, so it's, it's a good point because if you look at it this way, look at it this way, right? <laughs> if, if, if my data is stolen, right. And I have, the potential to, you know, to pay a cyber criminal so it doesn't get released. I don't think whether that gets released by the cyber criminal on the dark web or where, where have you, um, I don't think that whether it gets released or not matters in the sense of whether you're going to get sued or not. Mm -hmm. I think you're getting sued either way. Right. Right. So if they release it, you're getting sued. If they don't release it, you're getting sued. So what's the point in giving money to the criminals? Um, if in either case you're going to get sued, like if you get if you, if they release the data, you're you're probably going to get sued and lose. If they don't release the data, you're probably going to get sued. Maybe you have a chance to save some face because you know the data is really not out there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I kind of agree with that part of it. Is you know. Yeah, businesses are going to look at it and go, well, I'm getting sued either way, so why would I pay you? Right. You know, that's like saying I don't care about my customers. Right, because they I, already I mean, that's your already sailed, though, because exactly. you didn't do enough to protect them. To protect exactly. Your you're, you're right. You're getting sued because you didn't do enough to protect, mm -hmm. right? You're not getting sued because the data got out there. That's just the the cause and effect, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's, the, that's the effect of not having good cybersecurity is data got stolen, and now that it got stolen and it's in the hands of somebody else, you're more than likely going to get sued and you're getting sued because you didn't properly protect that data in the first place. Right. So that's, that's, you know, the point, right. Is it's, it's, again, it's way too late. It's like, well, the mistake has already that, occurred. Yeah. Like that hurricane already came and went and you know, it, your house is destroyed. Now you want to go get, you know, hurricane insurance or you know, mm -hmm. some kind of storm insurance so but but to, you know. to, to andre's point though too i mean that that's something that i tell people all the time i was like you know you may not see the need for this yet because it, it hasn't happened to you so it's just not clicking for whatever reason but you also need to be prepared your customers are seeing this more in the news eventually one of your customers or one of your prospects is going to come to you and say what are you doing to protect my data and you, you're going to want to have an answer for that because otherwise you know, people aren't going to trust you and they're, they're going to turn around. So, so I think, I gotta, go ahead, Randy. Well, just real quick. So I think that you could get sued. I, I just want to kind of go off of what y'all were talking about, what, what Andre mentioned. Like 
yes, you could get sued because your data got leaked, but are you going to get sued even more because it got leaked, you had a chance to get it back and you didn't do anything? You know what I mean? Is that going to in- increase the size of your class action lawsuit? You would hope uh, not yeah. because you could probably defend that pretty easy under the guise of like, hey, it would have been illegal to make any kind of payment to that entity. Plus, it's kind of, it, it would be kind of a double dip kind of situation. Right. I mean, you know, at, at that point, uh, you know, the, the, the criminals are the ones releasing the data. You're not releasing the data. Your, your uh, issue was that you let the criminals get the data yeah. in the first place. Okay, right. good point. But I'm not yeah, interesting. It'd be problem. interesting, number one, to see if, uh, you know, as cyber more and more cyber criminals get arrested and put in jail to, to any that, you know, they start seeing private lawsuits against mm-hmm. them um, as well as a result of all this stuff. So I completely forgot what I was going to. I don't know, but that that discussion just gave me an idea. We, we need to get a breach coach on here as a as a guest. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a, that would be an interesting one. Yeah, it would. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting stuff. So, got a bunch of uh, more ransomware attacks in K-12 through schools or municipalities across the United States. Seem to be a fan favorite of cyber criminals, and it's pretty disgusting being that most of this stuff is affecting, affecting a lot of taxpayers, and it doesn't seem to be garnering the attention that it deserves. Um, and this is kind of becoming a big concern for me because it's like, you know, let's go people. Um, so Travis central in Texas, this is down by you, Randy. Um, another one, Texas is on fire. Today, this Dude, week. They're on they're like literally like 30 miles both ways from me. we got this stuff going on. So Travis uh, central appraisal district hit with ransomware attack. What's going on out there? Uh, Randy, since it's your neck of the woods. Well, there's not a ton of details in here. Um, and it they're saying that it didn't hit everything. Um, but they are saying that they're, um, you know, they're able to get to some data, like they can answer questions about property and exemption applications and things. Um, but it did, it is a ransomware, which means that some of the data has been froze. Um, and, you know, they don't really give, give a whole lot of details into how it happened, why it happened. You know, we can pretty much, you know, we, we can just speculate at this point. But, you know, we've we've seen a huge problem in hospitals, schools, government, you know, not being patched, not being up to date, not really doing anything. Um, I don't know if this is part of the city of Austin, but actually a couple of weeks ago. Um, at a networking event, I met a former IT person with the city of Austin and I said, Hey, last time I talked to a city of Austin guy, there was only one firewall for the entire freaking County and all these diverse things, just basically using one virtual firewall. And he goes, yep, that's one of the reasons why I quit. They're still doing that. I don't know if that's good information or not. And I don't know if these guys are related to that. Um, so bottom line, we don't really have any details into what caused it, but it is a, you know, this is not good. This is public information that they're dealing with. If they did ransomware, that means they probably already have the data, you know, exfiltrated and ready to uh, to do stuff with. So, and and the the thing that I thought was interesting was they they said that it did not impact property tax bills and payments. So, it didn't affect their ability to collect your money. <laughs> so, so we can pay yeah. the rent. Yeah, is it, is it really is it is it something that we're going to do anything about no. them? Yeah, yeah. probably not. They just said we're going to be using bags of cash to yeah. hold your money until. You know, well, until that's funny money. because we had on Twitter there were some people back to the Rackspace where they when they moved over from Rackspace to Microsoft they said one of the first emails they got was from Rackspace for a bill. Wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like. Poor, poor incident response, right? Not, yeah. not, not contacting your. Uh, well, it, it shows where they invest their money and, and what systems they protect, because it seems like those <laughs> are the ones that never get hit. It's always, it's always the ones storing the customer data, not the ones that send you your bill. Yeah. So I got right. a, I got a question for you guys. We have, we have some clients in the UK and EU, and because of that, we have to deal with the privacy laws over there and GDPR. So, and as you guys were talking on the last segment, when we were talking about the, the French hospital 
the thought came across my mind about what the hell are we doing in this country when we're sitting here talking about cybersecurity like we are, we have all these different frameworks and we're talking about all this stuff and we can't even get to the point. GDPR has been a thing in the EU for about 10 years and we don't even have that. And now they just implemented their, their, their data security walls across the EU. They're light years ahead of us in terms of, data protection, data privacy, data security. And like, does that, I mean, to me, that says like, they're the ones taking it seriously. We're not taking it too seriously here. It seems like our government cares more about the fact that they want to tamp down this is like the ransomware attack because that's sensationalized. It's smash and grab type crap that, you know, it's in the headlines but they have no interest in protecting people's privacy. Is, is that how you're seeing it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, remember when California and New York, I guess they, they got some new laws in their books and everybody said, oh, once California and New York gets it, then it's going to go across the nation. It's nothing. And then didn't Why they get you... struck down? Didn't, didn't, <laughs> didn't they take some that, those, those to the Supreme Court and strike them down? I don't, I don't know about that. I know there are um, a lot of those coming on the horizon, but yeah, the the GDPR does a lot to deal with uh, privacy and personal data that um, we're kind of light years behind over here, I would say, um, in a lot of respects. But it's not even like we're even trying. Right. We're not, there's nothing like, there's nothing even close to GDPR be, even being talked about in this country. The minimal things we're doing from a security standpoint keep getting pushed back. <laughs> Well, I mean, to me, minimal is GDPR. Just having a policy and having the ability to tell people what you do with their information. Mm -hmm. I mean, at, at a minimal. So the other thing is, is like, yeah, I think we talked about it. You mentioned it going back to what's going on out in Texas. And then we also have things happening in school districts in, in Arkansas and New Jersey and uh you know little rock decided hey we're gonna pay the ransom um and they decided they're gonna pay the ransom because it was right around two hundred fifty thousand dollars um you know that they they told the board that they're gonna have to pay in order to get their systems operational again um and the other thing is, is that they're doing, they said they're doing their very best to protect the data that was taken from us. Um, and the board voted six to three uh, to pursue the settlement agreement with the cyber criminals. I guess that's what they're calling it, a settlement agreement. Um what are you guys thinking about this? This school kind of took a different road than LA County did. And they ended up, I guess, deciding it made more sense to pay $250,000 to protect student data from getting out there. Unlike LA County who did not pay. And now we have information being spewed across the dark web about students of LA County. What are your guys thoughts on this? I don't know. I don't know. They're not really saying that they're basically saying they're paying the two fifty to protect information. That's well, a, it sounds ahead. like a more public relations friendly uh, statement. Yeah, it is. Sure. <laughs> but it's really a circular argument. Like, should we even be paying in the first place? Is it moral or even legal to be paying depending on where you are in their situation? But if they can get the data back, the thing that first pops into my head, they're going to get the data back and then they're just going to go on with their life. And the next thing you know, they're going to get hacked again if they're not actively already hacked again. If they're going to pay to get the data back, they also need to pay to make their stuff secure. Figure out why it happened. Figure out what they got to do to get them out. Don't assume that just because you paid them money, they're going to go away. At the very minimum, they're going to sell access to the next criminal organization down the road mm -hmm. or one of their affiliates. You know what I mean? Um, so, so, so basically they, they need to, if they're going to pay, they need to go on and get secure um, and figure out why they got hacked, fix it. 
um, make their whole system secure, top to bottom, you know, do do a uh, risk review. Um, so and penetration testing, all that. They need to do all that or they're just going to be right back in the boat. We'll be reading about it eight months down the road that they got hacked again. And, and it'll probably look like a bargain million. compared to what they're paying for the ransom. Dude, I know 250K, 250K, that's a lot of money. Um, but for a ransomware, that's a that's a bargain. Yeah. You got the, the Walmart special there. One of the things I find interesting with a lot of these K-12 cyber attacks lately is the amount of information or lack of information that we get from them, as we just talked about. And moving right along to the one in, that happened out in South Jersey, um, this Monroe Township, again, Randy, same thing here. This, this, this township is 15 minutes from our office. Um, and I don't, nobody, nobody's talking about this around here. Nobody, nobody heard, heard it, uh, heard about it. And obviously, you know, the parents in school, uh, the kids that attend the school know about it. And then some local news outlets got their hands on it. And it was just basically saying kind of after the fact, uh, this South Jersey district was closed for three days due to internet issues by unauthorized third party. And again, it sounds like a ransomware attack. It smells like a ransomware attack. They had to shut down their network for several days. They were not able to do that, do, do much within the schools. They closed the schools. Um, and basically all they're saying was it was a, a unauthorized third party who accessed their system. And they're not saying much more than that. Um, and, Rightfully so, it's brought the concern of the, the parents and the residents of this township basically saying, you know, some of them are upset that their kids had to stay home from school because think about it. We talked about this before. Like, there's, you know, people may not have the time off to take because their kid's school gets shut down because of ransomware, right? So how do, how do you deal with childcare when these things kind of come come up and, uh, and happen to people? Um yeah, this isn't the most affluent school district in South Jersey, you know, and there's probably a lot of low income families that have a difficult time, you know, finding childcare when things like this happen. Um, and then, you know, it's just, you know, other parents wondering like the same thing that happened in L.A. County. Is their information compromised and is it potentially being shared out on the dark web? And these are things that are not being shared with the district right now uh, or by the district right now, which is, which is concerning. It's concerning mm -hmm. as a, as a local resident that they're not being open about this, but as a cybersecurity expert, I also think it's, you know, this isn't the way that we should be going about things. And I said that right. many times before on this show that we need to be open and honest about what's going on. So other school districts in the area can learn from, and potentially maybe even help you out with resources that they might have. Um, you know, I'm sure there's things being coordinated behind the scenes with these schools that are not being made public. But at the end of the day, the parents have the right to know whether their information is being stolen. And I just don't like, I don't know if it's breach attorneys, breach coaches that are getting involved and it's certain ones that kind of get to, get to their clients and they're saying like, this is what we're going to say, but we're seeing similar types of responses coming from these, these districts uh, lately, um, which gives me the sense that they're all hiring the, you know, the same company to come in and help out with these things. Um, so, you know, I think you guys are going to agree with me on this one that, you know, going this route and being this tight lipped and not sharing uh, much information early on isn't, isn't the way to go. And yeah. I, I think to solve that, though, you know, it's part of the reason I think is because of, you know, the, the pushback and the liability and getting sued and things like that. So if those are, if those are the reasons that these um, businesses or entities aren't sharing this information or are, are, are hiding this information so they don't get the pushback, then we need to address the pushback. Um, it's it's going to be far better for, for people as a whole to talk about these types of things and share this information than it is for everybody to just hold it tight so they don't get sued or what, you know, get fined or what have you. I mean, there, there's got to be a way to address that side of it. So that way we don't have to have uh, attorneys that are telling people, you know, 
close your mouth. You can't don't don't say anything unless you absolutely have to, unless unless we give you the go ahead. Because now, right. now nobody knows how bad this stuff is. Nobody knows what they can do to protect themselves. Right. It's also like when you're dealing with schools, like unauthorized third party. Was it a student who did something? Um, or you know, was it some other some other thing that happened? Um, you know, because look, if you look at data for K through 12 schools, one of the biggest threats that K through 12 schools has is their own students, mm-hmm. um, you know, and whether that's malicious or not malicious, they're on your network. And depending on how you have things set up and segregated, you know, your students could become a problem for you one day, you know? So I don't know. I'm concerned. I have lots of concerns about this K through 12 situation. Um, it's just too much. There's too many schools getting hit. This one's in my own backyard and, you know, these schools, you know, need to do more in order to protect student information. Um, it's that simple. So. And one thing to mention in the, even the last article, uh, the Little Rock was that the board member accidentally told them out and someone quickly corrected them, you know, during the meeting and saying, you weren't supposed to say, you know, it was 250,000. So there's the transparency there. And um, I think we just need like, you know, like if there's ever a airplane crash, be it a big airline or small little propeller plane, you always see the they say the NTSB is coming within 24 hours. They come with their jackets and they investigate. And then from there, they give the findings and what what happened and what should be done next time to prevent this. It should be the same thing where when there's a major breach, there's got to be an agency that comes in. Look, we're not going to throw you in the bus, but we we need to give out this knowledge so that way everybody learns from this incident. Especially when public dollars are involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel. So, so what I I, I want to bring up this last one here, guys, and and the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I just see it more and more, and I try to educate people about this. But you know, starting back. You know, I can think the Kronos is the biggest one I can remember and think of, but you have Rackspace today, right? Mm-hmm. And you just have all these applications that businesses rely on to do their business that move to the cloud. I mean, I know most of our customers back in the day, they used to have applications that ran on a server. They, you know, used to have to buy a support plan. Uh, you know, if, if not 85 to 90% of all that stuff has moved to the cloud at this point, right? And the companies, that build that software, host their own infrastructure, and you just pay a monthly fee to get access to that software. And you don't have to worry about setting up your own server and running it and updating it and patching it and all that good stuff anymore. Um, but the problem is, is that, yes, you don't have to run the infrastructure anymore, but you still have to worry about business continuity around those applications should they no longer be available to you. Think of the Rackspace people today who don't have business email because their service has been cut off from the world because they thought that that was the right thing to do. So now nobody has access to it. So you have a program here like this one from Essent Corporation that is basically, um, it's a, it's a cloud environment. Think of like Oracle NetSuite, you know, things like that, that exist in the cloud that allow you to, to to run your business. Um, And, there's, you know, they do, they provide everything from ERP software um, for companies that do a lot of different things inside of companies' businesses to help them run their businesses better. Um, and those things aren't available to you anymore. And you basically built your operations around it. How do you function? How do you function as efficiently? Uh, and what if they're down for an extended period of time like Kronos was? And I actually just saw guys and. I don't think I shared it with you guys uh, in the green room this morning, but I just saw that Honda employees are actually getting together and suing Kronos because Honda employees were not paid overtime during that Kronos downtime, Mm. that outage. Mm. So Honda used Kronos. These Honda employees were not paid overtime. uh, And I don't know if things are still screwed up or what have you or what the merit of their lawsuit is, but they're going after Kronos. They're not the going employees after are going after Kronos? Honda employees wow. are going after Kronos for the overtime pay. pay. Like wow. that, I guess that they didn't get or they didn't get it mm-hmm. on time, which caused them to have hardship. 
Seems like they should be going after their employer, and their employer should be going after Kronos. So I guess my point really is, my point is, is that's this is how the legal system works, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Your they probably had a lawyer contact them and said, "I'm trying to get a class action lawsuit going. You can be part of it." And we all know who gets paid mm-hmm. in class action lawsuits, right? But this Kronos is going to have to defend this lawsuit. It doesn't matter, you know, what the merits are. If you know, but Honda employees are bringing it, and this isn't going to be the only company that that that's my main point. This you know, Honda employees are the first ones. There's going to be others, and they're going to be defending class action lawsuits from people for years because as a result of this. Um, and this is again, so is Essen. You know, Essen is is this company who's working to rebuild after after a, a ransomware attack, after their systems were encrypted. And, uh, you know, this is what we're trying to show businesses is that when you get hit with these things and you offer, you know, if you're if you're a cloud based company that offers some kind of cloud service to your clients, um, some kind of website that you run in the cloud that they access to, to run their business or get information or do something. And that's a critical piece of their service delivery. And it go, you go down, you're you're going to be getting sued. I mean, it's it's that simple. So, anything else you guys want to add to that? I mean, this, this is something people never want to want to discuss. Right, you're right, hundred percent. That's why I keep talking about it because we discuss this with business owners all the time, yep. and you know we help them understand like, hey, your cloud. You basically took the server out of your back office. You put it somewhere else. You still got your own stuff to worry about. Now they got to worry about that. But then when the cloud gets hit, you're it's literally out of your hands. And you just are stuck in a waiting game. And it reading this article, some of the some of the um, stories in that article, you know, it's really disconcerting um, and or heartbreaking just to see people can't do business because their cloud provider, you know, had ransomware and for like a month they've been crippled or whatever. So that's my two cents on that. I mean, it's something that we have to take, take into account. I've mentioned this before, but like when we're working with new vendors, I always try to talk with them about their security. You know, are you, are you certified? You know, what are you doing? Do you have a security officer? How, how big, how important is it? Or are you just flying by the seat of your pants? Um, there's a lot of new startups out there that are just flying by the seat of their pants. Yeah. And next year, the pie for losses to businesses is expected to be around $30 billion. Hmm. So I don't know who wants a piece of that pie, but that's a big pie. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, that's probably a very conservative number at this point based on what's happening at the end of this year. Um, but yeah, 30 billion is, you know, you're, there are businesses out there today who are operating in 2022, who have never had a cyber attack. have never had to deal with a cyber incident who will be paying part of that $30 billion in losses. So you, you know, it's going to be a certain percentage of your revenue that's, you know, but you're going to be paying into this pool of 30 billion that businesses are expected to lose next year. Do they have, do they have another study though, of what it would cost? to protect those same businesses ahead of time? Yeah, probably <laughs> <Me> too. <laughs> probably probably not 30 billion. You know, it might be in hundreds of millions and a number that people aren't comfortable with because they've just never had to pay that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the conversation is businesses have to grapple with. Like I, you know, we're, we're dealing with a business now who is, you know, at the at tail end of a, you know, of a, of a cyber attack that they were under. And I'm still having conversations with the business owner where he still doesn't understand. Like, he's like, you know, saying things like I've been, you know, we, we haven't had, I've been in business for 25 years. We've never had an issue. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm like, that's how it works. You haven't, you, you never have an issue until you have an issue. (laughs) right um but i can tell you all the things that you're not doing right now that are going to lead to you having an issue and it's 
you know, the idea here is, is for you to take care of those things so you don't have an issue, um, which requires you to spend money. And that's where the conversation, you know, is hard for people to understand. It's like, I never had to do this before. Now you're telling me I have to spend $50,000, you know, over the next two years to take care of this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're telling but it, it's a frame of mind thing too because i mean sure. you could have the same conversation about car insurance i, I haven't gotten to an accident in 20 years why that's do i right. need to pay for car insurance sure. but people don't ask that question they're like well, you have to get car, car insurance, insurance is just right? something you, you have yeah have to, yeah but you have in my state you have to get it you can't drive a car without it like right. you don't have people insurance. people still do but it's few it's few and far between yeah. most people yeah. don't ask that question yeah, I mean, it's it's just wild, but that's, you know, that's the reality, folks. That's that's what we're trying to get across to you is, is, and, and educate as many people as we can. Because really, at the end of the day, like this show is not for the guys who are taking care of it and understand mm-hmm. this stuff and, and, mm-hmm. and know it. If you're listening to this show and, that's, and you are that person, we obviously thank you for your support. But we break this down to a level where somebody who has no clue has no idea what the hell's going on out there. If they listen to our show, they should start getting smarter about what is actually happening out there. And that's why we talk kind of the way that we do. Like you have to start investing in this stuff because, you know, I talk to guys that want to get into cybersecurity or guys that are learning cybersecurity and and they think every business in the world's doing it. And they just don't have the perspective that like, there's such a huge opportunity in this space because so many businesses are yet to start investing in it in the way that I think that they should. So mm-hmm. huge opportunity. And, you know, and again, I look at all this bad news and I say it's we can only get better. Right. Um, yeah, we're going to have to go through a lot of pain in order to see the time where things are not as bad as they are today. Um but every, every business can start somewhere and every business should start today, start improving their cybersecurity resilience and, mm-hmm. and get better. And that's, that's where I'm going to end the show. So, yeah. All right, boys. Thanks again. And uh, we'll see everyone next week. See ya. All right. Bye-bye.